Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate girl bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Hi, I'm Ashley Flowers, creator and host of the number one true crime podcast, Crime Junkie. Every Monday, me and my best friend Britt break down a new case, but not in the way you've heard before, and not the cases you've heard before. You'll hear stories on Crime Junkie that haven't been told anywhere else. I'll tell you what you can do to help victims and their families get justice. Join us for new episodes of Crime Junkie every Monday, already waiting for you by searching for Crime Junkie wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Womanica. This month, we're talking about movers and shakers, dancers, stunt women, martial artists, and other pioneering women who use their physical prowess to shake things up. Today, we're talking about the first, and as of now, the only, woman to achieve the highest rank in the art of judo. She was a lifelong practitioner of the form and lived her life by the motto she used on the mat, be strong, be gentle, be beautiful. Let's talk about Keiko Fukuda. Keiko was born on April 12, 1913 in Tokyo, Japan. Her entry into the world of judo was pretty much her birthright. Her grandfather was a Japanese samurai and jujitsu master. One of his last students was a man named Kano Jigoro, In 1882, Kano opened his own school of martial arts to develop his new art of combat. He called it judo. After 40 years, Kano's school, the Kodokan, added a women's class. Kano couldn't think of a better pupil than the granddaughter of his former teacher, Keiko. At the time, Keiko was 21 years old and didn't have much interest in the sport. She'd been learning flower arranging, holding formal tea ceremonies and brush writing, typical activities for a young woman in 1930s Japan. She liked her pastimes, but she'd also loved her grandfather. She wanted to honor his memory. And so Keiko joined the Kodokan. She was in for a bit of culture shock. Judo is an offshoot of jujitsu. It centers around balance and strength rather than pure force. But it isn't exactly ladylike. The first day Keiko entered the Kodokan with her mother in tow, 
she was shocked to see women throwing their opponents and spreading their legs. Still, Keiko gave it a try. She got on the mat with her teacher, a slight man just a few inches taller than her. He gently grabbed the edge of her judo uniform and encouraged Keiko to throw him. Just a few seconds later, without even realizing he'd moved, Keiko found herself flying through the air. And just like that, she'd found her passion. Keiko's mother had expected her daughter to like the sport, maybe even marry a judo expert. What she didn't expect was for Keiko to fall in love with judo itself. When Keiko entered an arranged marriage, her would-be husband told her she'd have to quit judo after their wedding. Keiko called off the engagement. She'd never marry. By the late 1930s, just a decade into her practice, Keiko had become a judo instructor. She specialized in judona kata, a softer form of practice. She focused on the kata, choreographed matches that exemplified judo techniques. Keiko was a master of her art. By the time she was in her 40s, she'd achieved the fifth degree of black belt, or fifth dawn. In 1953, she traveled to the U.S. for the first time at the invitation of a judo club in Oakland. She stayed there for 11 years before returning to Tokyo. Back in Tokyo, she took part in the Women's Judo Exhibition at the 1964 Summer Olympics. For the next few years, Keiko continued her judo practice all over the world. She visited Australia, Canada, New Zealand, Norway, and the Philippines. She'd hold seminars and classes, and even schooled the top judo instructors of France. Her travels were personally gratifying, but they were also in memory of Kano, who died in 1938. He'd asked his students to teach his art form around the world. Keiko might have been his only original student to stick to her word. In 1966, Keiko returned to California. This time, she decided to stay. It was an easy call. The staff at Mills College was so impressed with her judo demonstration, they'd offered her a job on the spot. She taught there for more than a decade. During those years, Keiko met a judo student named Shelly Fernandez. Keiko was so impressed with Shelly's dedication, she encouraged Shelly to continue her studies in Japan. Shelly was so impressed with Keiko that Shelly invited the 53-year-old judo master to move into her house. Shelly's mother had died the year before Shelly met Keiko. As she told it, meeting Keiko felt like having her mom come back home. They lived together for the rest of Keiko's life. Around 1970, Keiko founded the Soko Joshi Judo Club, or the Women's Judo Club. Those who attended her class immediately understood Keiko's reverence for the sport. She'd sit on a metal folding chair at the head of a room padded with light green carpet. From there, she'd watch students run through their courses, guided by senseis she'd personally taught. When things looked rough, she'd offer a soft-spoken word or two of guidance, or a subtle wave of her hand. Every now and then, she'd get up and show the room just how much power she had in her small frame by throwing a student over her shoulder. As she entered her fifth decade as a martial artist, Keiko continued to change the sport. In 1988, after watching sanctioned judo tournaments fail to include kata in their events, she established her own competition, specifically for kata. For her achievements in the sport, she received one of Japan's most prestigious medals, the Order of the Sacred Treasure, and countless honors from judo clubs around the U.S. Still, Japanese and American judo officials refused to elevate her belt ranking, the ultimate proof of a judo practitioner's mastery. It wasn't until Shelley organized a petition for Keiko's promotion in 2006 that they granted her the Ninth Dawn. 
Later, in 2011, USA Judo promoted her to the 10th Don, the highest level. She was 98 years old. The Japanese Kudoka never gave her the title, but Keiko wore her 10th level red belt to the Judo Club every day. Keiko continued practicing for the rest of her life. In her spare time, she still made flower arrangements and did brushwork. She even found time to pen two autobiographies on Judo and star in a documentary film about her life. She died on February 9, 2013, at the age of 99. All month, we're talking about movers and shakers. For more information, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, at Womanica Podcast. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Ashley Flowers, creator and host of the number one true crime podcast, Crime Junkie. Every Monday, me and my best friend Britt break down a new case, but not in the way you've heard before and not the cases you've heard before. You'll hear stories on Crime Junkie that haven't been told anywhere else. I'll tell you what you can do to help victims and their families get justice. Join us for new episodes of Crime Junkie every Monday, already waiting for you by searching for Crime Junkie wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.